Right. Well, today we have some of our guests from Alpha Crucis College. So my, my role here in South Australia is the State Director of Alpha Crucis College. So I, I have to look after Alpha Crucis College now in South Australia. And um, yeah, thanks, Joe. Getting there. Uh, it, it's, I, I love my job. I've been working for Alpha Crucis for 17 years now. Uh, so prior to my move here, I, I moved here to help with the campus here in South Australia from Sydney. And uh, one of, apart from, I guess, asking my wife to marry me, probably the next best decision uh, that, that, we, that, that we've done. So it's, it's, it's uh, great. But uh, yesterday I was in Sydney for our, our 2022 graduation service. Uh, so it was great to be there to celebrate with students right across Australia. We had a small contingency from South Australia there, so it was good to see them receive their awards. And uh, this year was the first year that we had graduates from Alpha Crucis University College. We, uh, those you don't know a little bit more, like we've been around 74 years and we are the National Training College of the Australian Christian Churches. So we're a department of Australian Christian Churches. And so all this time been training and, and been an accredited, well, started off as non-accredited uh, many years ago, got our accreditation with the government. And uh, early this year, we uh, became a university college, which basically in layman's turn is a, is a university on P-plates. Uh, and so we're in that transition now until we, uh, in a couple of years' time, when it goes through Parliament, we become a university as anyone at university, a Christian, a Pentecostal university, uh, which I'm pretty excited about being a part of. Uh, yesterday was an exciting time. Not only was it our first time giving out our uh, certificates, bachelor degrees, masters, all that as a university college, but we actually gave out our, our first honorary doctorate degree as a university college to someone I think most of you would know to Darlene Check. Uh, and so that was a special, special moment to uh, be able to have that as our first university college recipient of an honorary doctorate. Uh, and uh, I was just talking earlier, it was, it was quite, quite a good moment yesterday because we, we sang, I guess, the song that put her into the eyes of the world, uh, Shout to the Lord. And uh, it's just great to be there at that moment uh, with her to, to sing that song. But listen, uh, we, we offer courses from certificates right through to doctorates. Uh, we have a, as I said, a campus here in, in Adelaide, uh, but we also do online courses as well. And we've got students here who have been on campus who are doing things online, taught studies on, online, and uh, through their church as well, uh, be able to study with Alpha Crucis. And so I'm going to now hand over to students as they share some of their testimonies, uh, stories, and some uh, word for you this morning. So right now I'm going to introduce Helen to come up and uh, share a testimony. Thank you, Helen. Morning, everybody. Looks much bigger from up here. <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share my testimony today. Um, so this is my old Bible, the good old 1990s Life Application Study Bible. Hands up if you've had one. You know, in the 90s, were you even a Christian if you didn't have one? You know, just saying. <laughs> um, so for the past 14 years, God has been speaking to me out of one book of the Bible particularly. He's leading me back into the book of Haggai. Does anyone know how many chapters are in the book of Haggai? 
Two. Two chapters in 14 years. So the whole Bible in a year thing, by the time I'm 97, I might actually get there, I think. But it keeps bringing me back to this book. Now, my testimony is what God has revealed to me in that time. Um, this isn't a commentary on the books, but it's, it's my journey and the things that God's revealed to me through that. So the basics of Haggai, the Jews were exiled to Babylon because their hearts were hard and they were turning away from God. But many years later, God called them back, saying, that is not your home. You've been exiled, but your purpose and your destiny is not in Babylon, but back in Jerusalem. And yes, the original splendid temple that was built for me was destroyed, but it will be rebuilt. You just have to make the decision to come back. So some of them did, and they rebuilt the temple, and then many of them cried because it didn't look as pretty as the first one, as we tend to do. (laughs) But God said to them in Haggai 2.7, I will fill this house with glory And in Haggai 2.9, the glory of this present house will be greater than the former house. So how does this relate to my story? I've been a Christian for 40 years this year. And up until recently, (laughs) it's all God, I tell you, as you'll hear. (laughs) Um, Up until recently, my faith kind of looked a bit like the first temple, bright and shiny. And I had the Life Application Bible, so I must have been a very good, strong Christian. (laughs) I did all the right things. I forgave everybody of all the things, never broke the rules, always took the high road. The thing is, the facade of trying to please God and trying to please people and the church can only be maintained for so long. There was a lot of hurt over the years. A lot of it, most of it, I didn't deal with. I just pressed it down because that's what good Christians do. We forgive and we don't deal with the things that are going on on the inside because we need to give the appearance that we're being forgiving and putting everybody else first and all of those things. The trouble is that led to a lot of bitterness and a lot of resentment and eventually some very big hurts led to my heart breaking and it became hard and after years of trying to do everything right, I drifted away. My faith became the pile of rubble like the first temple in Jerusalem and I found myself in exile with a heart so hard that if anyone even mentioned the scriptures, I would literally just, ugh, whatever. Wanted nothing more to do with that. It got to the point where I said, God, you need to give me a new identity that has nothing to do with you. The girl who went to Bible college, the girl who did everything, the girl who put... Everything first for Jesus, I said, give me a new identity with nothing to do with you or give me a new revelation of who you are. And praise God, he always comes through with that. It's like challenge accepted, okay. (laughs) Now, I love that all through the exile with the Jews, God sent prophets to the Israelites to remind them whose they were. Even in the exile, they were still God's covenanted, chosen, loved people And all through my darkest time, God sent people to me. The occasional person would say, hey, why don't you come to church? A song would come on. Lauren Daigle, the song SOS, that was my anchor. I will fight for you in the hardest night. I will send an army to you. Still makes me emotional because it was so powerful. And I felt God was saying to me, Helen, do not make your home in the exile. That is not your home. 
you're there for a reason, whatever the reasons are, but your home is not there and you have to make a choice. Do you keep building a house that is full of resentment and bitterness and drinking from wells of bitter, disappointment water? Or do you come back to me? It's going to be a long, hard road back to me and you will need to face a lot of the stuff that has broken you. But if you come back, that's where your destiny is. That is where your purpose is. Do not spend your life living in the exile any further. I'm sorry, I've strayed from my notes here a little. (laughs) I realised the foundation of my faith was misaligned and cracked and I needed to start from the beginning and I love that the day that I had that revelation was when I opened to Haggai and I read that when God said, when you start rebuilding the foundations, from that day I will bless you. See, I thought that the blessing would come to my life because I put, um, I did all the right things, because I was earning God's salvation, therefore I will be blessed. And then everything fell apart and I ended up going through divorce and I said, how can a girl who's done everything right end up in this spot? Clearly, it's not worth it. And then God said, no, you've got it wrong, Helen. The foundations aren't built on what you do. Your foundations are built on Jesus Christ and his salvation and his blood. And I needed to come back to the basics of my faith that Jesus saves me because of who I am, not because I've earned it, not because of anything I can do. Amazing grace became real (laughs) because I was stuck in a pit that I couldn't get out of. And I suddenly realised I need Jesus to save me. So here I am about four years on from that exile and my faith has clearly been rebuilt. It looks nothing like the old faith. It is very raw and very real. I am so flawed, just ask my kids. (laughs) But, you know, I give forgiveness not out of duty anymore, not out of earning some foolish attempt at pleasing God. I give forgiveness because I know what I was like four years ago. I give forgiveness because I know that I am flawed and I am broken and how can I not forgive people when I've been forgiven so much? If you are feeling like you're in the exile right now, know that you are loved and still under the blood covenant of Jesus. Your destiny and your purpose is in him. In John 10.10, we see that Jesus brings life. The devil will try and steal things, steal your purpose and your destiny, but don't let him. Come back home. Thank you so much. And I would now like to welcome the amazing Joe for his testimony. Thank you. Good morning, church. Um, my name is Joe. I'm part of the team. I'm a last year of uh, Bachelor of, of Ministry with uh, specialization on chaplaincy. And today uh, I would like to talk about the prodigal son, Dash daughter. It's a story that uh, recently happened with me um, that's related with the Great Commission uh, related, uh, from Mark 28:18. Uh, I'm always focused bringing the good news of the gospel to my colleagues, uh, to my friends, and the community uh, sports team. 
but I never look inside uh, of the spirit of uh, of the level of spirituality in my own family. Some young people are waiting right now outside in our modern time to hear about the good news about the unconditional love of God. One of these people was my daughter, Anna, who was baptized at 16 years old, uh, but struggled to let the spirit inside her heart. She chose to be baptized, but she was covered by the weeds of this world, which promised all the fun and entertainment. In the parable of the sower, Jesus clearly stated that the bed's weeds were sowed by the enemy, and they are the people who deny God's existence. Anna, like many other, many other young people, she gets lost among such people. She received the word of the gospel, but only at the surface. And because the word outside is bigger than their faith, Um, she was covered by these weeds. Anna could not find God in her struggle to survive in a world with pandemics and depression, no, ma- no, no matter how much she tried. And she prayed. She worked for 20, from 2020 as a pathological nurse, a frontliner fighting the pandemic disease depression and hardship of isolation that happened in Melbourne, which destroyed so many young people with mental health issues, from which Anna could not escape, no matter how much she tried in her human effort to recover. Throughout those years, we offer her her alternative of coming back to Jesus, but she always declined. We asked her to move to Adelaide, but to start a new life but she always compare Melbourne with Adelaide. We never stopped praying for her among all this year. And one day, she's calling us crying that she can't take it anymore in her struggle and suffering. On Thursday, the 14th last month, we received a call from Anna that she would like to be with us in Easter time. She got four days holiday. However, she does doesn't know how to get to Adelaide because her, her car was broke and she needs to take the dog as well. We strongly insisted that we also start seeking God, God in meditation and prayer for a solution. And of course, the solution was me. <laughs> because the spirit influenced my mind that now is the time for an intervention. So when we read about Jesus' commandments, it seems so easy. But for me, in this case, it was not quite easy. I suffered from the right leg injury for 20 years, truck driving. And we have this cognitive behavior, same like Jonah and Elijah, when we encounter hardship to run in different direction. Um, but the spirit in me did not let go so easily. And it came into my mind the passage when Jesus sent those 72 
72 disciples on unknown mission from Luke 10, 1 to 12, concluding that Jesus was with them at all time. And he will be with me as well. I said to her, okay, no problem. I will pick you up, bring you here, and then take you back to, to Melbourne. So easy. Just drive 3,000 kilometers in one week. Not a big deal. <laughs> so I traveled to Melbourne, stay one day in this beautiful area of Camberwell. And thereafter, travel back to Adelaide with Anna and her lovely dog, Mila. Here in our home, we give our best accommodation, food, and love. She enjoys walking along the creek, Christie Creek, and at the beach. And she told us she never felt such an unusual peace in her mind and heart. And then she extended the visit with another week, which was much, much easier for me to relax. She came to the church and enjoyed so much the sermon by our senior executive pastor about the level of expectation in life. We traveled back to Melbourne and then, thanks God, I come back to safely to Adelaide. After a few days, she rang to, to thank us for the wonderful time that she got in Adelaide. She told us that she has a dream about someone who asked her, why are you Why are you blocking me? And I explained that it's the spirit who wants to communicate and have a relationship with God. I told her that it's nothing that she can lose if she put a trust on, on God. No longer after Anna accept the invitation from God to be transformed. In Hebrew 3.15, we read, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And Anna accepted to renew her mind. She starts reading Pathway, a book designed for a modern explanation of the gospel. And she understands that she needs to follow the process of conviction, confession, repentance, and restitution. No longer after God responds to Anna's prayers for changing her life, she, she rang us, dropping the bombshell that she finds work in Adelaide and wants to move here. You see the story of prodigal son, daughter. It's such an amazing and beautiful story when we encounter people who wants to change, transform, surrender, and let God's compassionate love flow into their hearts with all heavenly goodness. I conclude this story in which I hope I, it will encourage many of us to reflect of the possibility that Christ give us in terms of the Great Commission, our family and friends. Our prayer constantly focuses on the work of God who starts any mission of anyone who wants to participate. And we know that he will finish what he started. We are the minister, the disciple, and the workers for the kingdom. But he is the sower and the redeemer. Amen. Thank you. I'm intervening because I can. And I'm going to put Joe on the spot here. Uh, he's talked about the prodigal son, prodigal daughter. 
which is really a story about the loving father. And um, Joe, I, I want you to pray. I know, I know there's a few people here, but maybe there's more who have prodigal sons or daughters. If you're in that situation, I'd love you to put your hand up and I'm going to get Joe to pray and then we're going to believe together that the Spirit will call them home to Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for your greatness, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for all the parents who have kids and want to change, to be transformed and, and receive your love and compassion for you. Thank you, Lord, that you are always with us and you are our Redeemer with our love. In the name of Jesus, we thanks. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Well, I'd like to invite Mercy to uh, lead us around communion this morning. Thanks, everyone, for the opportunity. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Mercy, and I'm from Alpha Cruises University College, I should say. <laughs> and we are entering into a time of communion. I see this cross, beautiful cross here at the whole time I was sitting here, it just took me into a different spiritual realm and I was meditating on the cross the whole time. Um, hey, if any one of you have not received the communion elements, can you please raise your hands up and uh, one of the ushers will be with you and help you out with that. I also encourage you not to open them yet so that we can have it together when we are ready. Thank you for that. So let's take this beautiful opportunity to participate in the spiritual act to commemorate the work of Jesus on the cross. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone and he is the foundation on which the church is built. As the scripture says in Isaiah, for I lay a stone in Zion of precious and cornerstone and whoever puts their trust in him will not be ashamed. Yes, He's tried, he's tested, yet he's persevered for you and for me just to pursue us. He never turned back because of the unconditional love he has for you and for me. He's just amazing. He's the precious cornerstone, the stone the builders rejected. Yet we get to lean on him because he's reliable and he's trustworthy. Jesus, the Son of God, came down to earth as Son of Man to rescue us from the deepest pits of our life. Yes, he is Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He paid the heavy price. He redeemed us and he reconciled us with the Abba Father. As scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink its cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A covenant was fulfilled to bring salvation to mankind. As we commune and fellowship with Jesus at this moment, we remember 
what he accomplished for us on the cross. How he sacrificed himself, his body and his blood that we might be forgiven and freed from sin. We remember his suffering, his death to, for the love he has for us. And we take the posture of reverence announcing his death with, because he is coming again. And honoring his sacrificial death. With gratitude, we thank him for the peace and reconciliation we received with one another and also, above all, with our Father. So as we take this bread, I encourage you to open it now. We remember the bread represents the body of Christ that's broken for us. And by his stripes we are healed. Please take it when you're ready. The wine represents the blood that is shed for our sin. It's a covenant mark. And the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Please take it when you're ready. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the finished work of, on the cross by your beloved Son. We pray that the communion with Jesus may inspire us, may stir our hearts and bring us to repentance, Lord. Lord, we are partakers of the covenant and recipients of the promises of your mighty word. Remind us, Lord, to live in unity with one another, to bring glory, honor, power, praise to you so that your presence may become even more tangible in our lives, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful work you have done for us on the cross, that you've been pierced for our rebellion, you've been crushed for our sin, and you've been beaten, Lord, to make us whole, and by your stripes we are healed, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. It's the way, truth, and life. Please can you pass your cups to the end of the row so that um, the ushers can collect it. Thank you. I invite Najima to share the word. Thanks, everyone. Hello guys, thank you today for inviting me to come here and just share a word of encouragement and um, yeah, thank you. So before I begin, I just want to read out Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And I just want to start off with that verse just so you guys can you just remember it while I share my story of my family's journey of coming to Australia as refugees, and I hope to encourage you guys. <laughs> so I am from South Sudan, um, but I was born in Kakuma in 2003. So in 1997, my family migrated to Kakuma due to the war that broke out in South Sudan. Now, during this time, it was very difficult. Thousands of families also came to Kakuma and they were all competing 
in hopes of um, achieving and receiving the humanitarian visas um, to be able to move to third world countries. Now, um, Kakuma is located in Takrana, Kenya, and it's actually the home of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, um, short for UNHCR. And as I mentioned, thousands of families are there. So when my mom and her family moved to Kakuma, um, they went there to start a new life, but they didn't know what was going to happen. But what they did know was that God had a plan for their life and they just had to be obedient. So, um, so the process of actually being granted a humanitarian visa involves um, waiting and applying in hopes to get a sponsorship anywhere. So that process takes a while, but basically what happens is once a month, families would go to this board um, that was located near the town and to actually get there, you had to cross this massive lake that was quite dangerous. But, um, you know, it was desperate times for a lot of people. So when the families went there, my mum would go there and she will be disappointed because her name wouldn't be on the board to actually say that her application has been considered. So, um, so my family waited and then my mum met my dad at this camp and they got married and had my big sister in 2000. Um, and yeah, my mum would take my little sister and they'll cross the um, lake to get to the board and again, disappointed. And that happened until I was born in 2003, you know, the star of the family. <laughs> I had to come. Um, yeah, so I remember my mum would always wrap me on her back and we'll cross this lake to get to the other side and still no news, just the same thing. And this happened up until my sister was born in 2006. He came and stole my spotlight, but <laughs> I love her, it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so my family saw that nothing was like, you know, changing, but my mum still had her faith. So my dad decided to actually move to Juba so he can go and, um, you know, start living there, like create a business so then he can financially support us while we were in Kakuma waiting. And um, so my dad was there for a year and sadly he passed away there. So um, that was difficult for my mum because, you know, she now had to raise three kids at the age of 22 as a widow. So, because um, my dad was the one who provided for us financially, but because the UNHCR, they provided, you know, meals, but that, like grains and stuff, but still that wasn't that much to provide. And so my mum would take us all, three of her kids, to cross this dangerous lake. And I just remember we would always be complaining, like, stop taking us, like, I'm scared, I don't want to go. Like, we know the news, nothing's going to change. But, you know, it got to the point where she was bribing us to go with her, <laughs> with lollies. So we're like, okay, we'll go. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we'll go with you. And then um, just one morning um, when we were going to the board to go see our names, there was just a sudden change in the atmosphere. I felt this presence, this peace. And at the time, I didn't know what it was. I was like five years old. But, um, and another thing was that the lake was actually dry and that never happened before. So that was just such a crazy morning. And then we went to the board and by the grace of God, my mom's name was on the board, Ajak, Akur, Najima, Rita. And that was just such an amazing moment for my family that... <laughs> that we waited all this time and my mum's prayers were finally answered 
And then we went back to the village and everyone was happy for us. You know, a party was thrown in the compound, like everyone was eating. It was such a good time for everyone. And then, so what happens is after your application has been granted, you have to have an interview with the High Commissioner Office on like, why do you want to leave the country? So we had that and it was a success. And we actually were told that where we were going to be migrated to, which was Australia, which was very exciting for my family. And we also had like classes that we had to take like to prepare us to come to Australia. So we're being taught how to switch on the light off and on, like how to say, <laughs> how to say the basic stuff. And it was just so fun because it was like a little class. And then um, a month before we were due to leave, like everything went well, I got really sick. I had malaria. Now, if you know what malaria is, it's pretty deadly and it's a disease, you know, spread by mosquitoes. It was sadly common. But um, yeah, that was just such a setback for my mum because all this just to end up in this area and the doctors literally thought that I wasn't going to make it because I was so just, you know, bedridden, I was malnourished and my mum was like, no, 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 we are not going to Australia. God's plan is to have all three of my kids and me come here. So then I remember one night the whole village came to the hospital bed everyone in our neighborhood and they were just all praying up um, like you know for me and the funny thing is while everyone was praying that same presence that same peace I felt when we were crossing the lake that day I felt again and instantly I knew that I was going to be healed and because that's God you know he heals us and then the next day I woke up and by the grace of God I was okay I was making jokes cracking jokes with the nurse and um yeah, so that was really good. And, you know, everyone was shocked because no one thought I would survive. And then so our process happened and everything was okay up until then. Three months later, we actually moved and we left um, to come to Australia. And I remember giving away my favourite clothes to my cousins because I was like, here, you can have this now. I don't need this. You know, I'm going somewhere amazing. <laughs> so that was really good. And then, um, yeah, so we arrived. In Australia and I remember being so scared because like when I was in back in Kakuma my cousin would be telling me like be careful of the Aussies they're going to eat you <laughs> so 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 we had like a social worker come and I was terrified of her behind him behind my mom like I would not make eye contact she's gonna eat me like like who says that to a little kid <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that happened and that was quite funny. But, you know, I eventually figured out she wasn't going to eat me. And then, um, yeah, so settling into Australia was really good. And then now um, 10 years passed that and sadly I forgot about my entire experience in Kakuma and God's plan for me that I was now in year 10. I moved to a new school. I was doing everything for myself, um, planning out my life where I wanted to be, like, you know, A, B, C, D. And then I'll just get really frustrated when things didn't go to plan and I'll just be like, why? But then it's because I literally forgot about God. And it wasn't until in 2019 when my auntie Sally passed away where I realised that I needed God more than ever. And by this point I had turned away from God so I didn't even know where to start. And around that time as well I started attending Influences um, Youth as well down in South because my friend invited me from my new school and that was really good. And she invited me to a youth summer camp that was actually happening like 
within a month. And at first I wasn't sure if I wanted to go, but something told me like I needed to be there. So literally the day before the camp, I messaged um, my youth pastor, Alice at the time, who is now my like coordinator for <laughs> Influence College. Um, and I said, I want to be there. And she was like, yep, that's all good. And then it was summer camp and we were um, worshipping and then an altar call happened and I went at the front and I just asked God to reveal himself to me. And it was that moment where, again, I felt the same presence that I felt all those years ago in Kakuma, where I realised God was with me throughout the whole time that he never left my side. And it was just such a pivotal moment for me because I had to remember that God was literally there with me and that he had the plan for my life, not me, but he had the plan for my life. And I just want to encourage you guys today that God has a plan for your life. And it's so easy for us to be going through a tough time and then completely forgetting about all the other seasons where he had um, fulfilled our prayers and we just move on to the next thing. But yeah, I just want to encourage you guys that God has a plan for you and especially for people my age as well because we're just so used to, you know, like living the life, you know, um, being up there, hustling, but no, we just need to take a step back. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to come and share my story with you guys. <laughs> and yeah. Um, I will now pass on to Rochelle so she can come share. Hi, my name's Rochelle. Hi. Um, it's an honour to be here today um, to share with you. I'm an intern at Influencers Paradise with Najima. So um, today I want to talk a little bit about my story um, and the revelations that God has given me about what Jesus has done for me. Um, I'm a mum. I've got two beautiful children, a son and a daughter. My son has special needs. Um, and I have seen God working so powerfully um, in our lives and in our situation, and I'm hoping it will be an encouragement to you today. I'm sweating, but it's all good. So, yeah, God has shown um, me things through faith and scripture that I've personally applied in my home, Um, and, you know, I believe whatever you're going through today, hopefully this can be an encouragement um, for you to do that as well. Um. So yeah, we've we've just come through Easter, where we as a as a church, as believers, we we acknowledge Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. Um, you know, it's when we remember that all that Jesus has done for us. Um, he defeated once and for all all sin and death on the cross. He took upon himself all sin. He became the sacrifice for us, so that we can be restored to the Father. And have eternal life once this one passes away. And, the, and I believe what God showed me to share today is the Bible also tells us that Jesus took upon his body all sicknesses and disease for us. Isaiah 53 verses 4 to 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And that's pretty massive to get our heads around. And while once we were dead to sin and hopeless in our situations, Jesus provides the way. 
He paid the price for our freedom, for our salvation to live eternally with him and our freedom today. So the revelation of what Jesus um, has done in my life has been a gradual one. Um, my son was born 13 years ago. He turned 13 a couple of weeks ago. And um, initially everything was going quite well um, for us, nothing out of the ordinary. And then, you know, my son was hitting all the milestones. Uh, everything was amazing. You know, I was newly married. Everything was good. And then things just suddenly changed at about 12 months of age. It's like he just suddenly just slipped away. He started interact, uh, stopped interacting. Um, he had been try starting to speak like a, a babies do. That stopped. Um, you could call his name over and over and over and over. He wouldn't even respond at all. Um, and so then following that came a steady stream of specialists, health professionals, doctors, who eventually told us that he had autism, which was severe. Um, and then a couple of years after that, um, we were told that he also had the rarest form of speech disorder on the planet. In fact, they said it was 0.1% of all speech disorders. And uh, they actually said that it was pretty much not really treatable. So with autism, um, you know, a multi-sensory building like a church, um, it just was impossible um, to go. Um, it's really hard for an individual, if anyone knows anyone who has been struggling with autism, um, it's hard, you know, with the, the, the sensitive hearing and the eyesight um, to actually be in a, in a, a building like a church. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we really struggled. In fact, it took a couple of years to get from outside the church into the church and then from into the church into the parenting room and then finally a couple of years after that into the auditorium and even then it was really hard to get there. Um, school, school I have to really describe as awful. <laughs> so, and that was for a long time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my son could repeat some sounds, but it was one syllable. And it was uh, usually things like no or something like that. Um, so it took um, – no is pretty strong. <laughs> it took many years – yeah, I've said that. So stepping back at the whole situation – you know, news like that is pretty devastating and I'm sure some people in this room have had equally devastating news, news and it, it comes out of nowhere. Um, receiving news like that is really a test of our faith because it, it, is, it has a way of actually showing you how you are doing spiritually when that actually occurs. Um, and then we just try and do it in our own strength, you know, uh, we take things into our own hands, and I definitely did. So I spent hours, um, you know, staying up into the early hours of the morning reading everything I could on therapies, and then I started going to all kinds of therapists and what have you to solve it all. And, you know, I, I after a while I just – I remember ringing up a family member a couple of years after that, and I just – she answered the phone and I just broke down because I literally had just come to the end um, and uh, I was utterly exhausted emotionally, physically and spiritually. And I just, uh, I realised I couldn't fix it and that it was bigger than me. And it reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. We're told in Luke chapter 8, 43, um, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. 
So we hear this woman spent all she had. She was no better. She'd done everything possible in her means to try and remedy things. It wasn't working and now she was completely trusting in Jesus. That's exactly where I found myself, exactly where I found myself that day. I was that desperate woman. I'd reached the end. And what I've realised is, yeah, when we come to the end of ourselves, that's where God begins because we say, Lord, I am weak. And he says, you are strong in me. And so then after that I started, um, scriptures started resonating in my spirit, such as First Peter chapter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed, as um, Mercy has spoke about in communion today. And Matthew eight seventeen, he he himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and our infirmities and bore away our diseases. And so I began to grow in faith when I was meditating on these scriptures and praying. And then I started seeing countless others who had encountered impossible situations where there's nothing that they could do to change it, but they started trusting in God and standing on the word of God and things were changing. And so I started thinking, I'm going to do that. Um, and so I also saw that there wasn't anywhere that it said that we were going to be the exceptions where God would not help there was, no, there was no suggestion that God would not help us. So it, that, that made me even bolder. And so I, you know, I received this message deep into my heart. I began to believe that Jesus was changing our situation. I didn't know how. I just believed. I just believed. And then um, and in the Gospel of Mark, it does teach us that we believe that we have received in faith. And so that was another important thing that I had to Get around, get my head around. And so, yeah, I, I started coming into agreement with the word of God in my situation uh, and I broke off and stopped agreeing with the doctor's reports and everything that I was seeing that was going on around me, you know, and um, words like lifelong condition and, and severe and untreatable, I would just turn away from all of that and I would just stand on the word of God because everything, and this is the battle of faith, when everything around us in the world is screaming the opposite of what God is saying, that's the battle of faith. That's where we have to just stand strong and get around other Christians who are going to stand with us and believe with us because together as a, as a unified body, that's where we're strong. And so, um, but the word of God is unchanging and true. Jesus died for us. He bore our sicknesses and diseases and he defeated them all. Ask, knock, keep praying. Like the lady said this morning, you have not because you ask not. We have to ask and we have to keep asking, keep knocking, keep praying. And so the years passed, there were lots of ups and downs through those years, lots Challenges increased before they decreased. The battle seemed greater before things changed, but my heart changed. I was seeing with my spiritual eyes. I began to trust and believe the word of God over the circumstances. I began laying my hands on my son's 
head and commanding his brain to be healed in the name of Jesus. I laid my hands on his body and I spoke healing in the name of Jesus. I told his central nervous system, I said, be calm in the name of Jesus. I spoke, spoke the word of God over Charlie and not what the world says about him, what God says about him. I started walking in faith and not by sight. And then one day there was a shift. Three weeks before he turned 12, I was going through the steps of the week ahead, which he likes me to do. He likes to know what's next day, next day, next day, next day. And I said, and tomorrow? And he said, Monday. And I said, hang on. And he started giggling because he knew that we had just stepped on new ground. He knew it. And we would, I was just absolutely astonished absolutely astonished and that was a small thing to other people but it was massive to us he could not do that he could not say a word on his own without you saying it first and he couldn't say two syllables today we're at influencers paradise one of the loudest churches in the city my son's right down the front i took a picture of him last week with all the children worshiping he's in kids church for the first time in his life he couldn't even attend it I'm interning. My two children are with me all day, three services from 8 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. He's there with me. He's holding the signs. He can say five to six word sentences. He is continuing to add new words. The articulation is coming. His speech pathologist who diagnosed him at five cannot explain it. It's evolving and unfolding. We are walking out this healing in Jesus' name. There's a dream that I had that I felt to share with you this morning. Um, it, it's a very simple dream. I had it a few weeks ago before Easter, but it was profound. And in the, the dream is actually a scene from the Bible. And it was presented to me like I was actually there. And in the dream, I was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was night time and I was standing behind Jesus and Jesus was kneeling down to pray. And in this dream as I stood behind watching Jesus pray, I was aware that Jesus was having a very detailed vision about what he was about to go through with the crucifixion and death on the cross. And I heard him say, not my will but your will be done as we're told in the Bible. And then as I stood there in the Garden of Gethsemane watching Jesus I suddenly heard some words spoken out and they seemed to echo around the whole garden and echo around me where I stood. And then I realised I myself had spoken these words. And what I said was, he did it for me. He did it for me. And I believe God wants us all to have this fresh revelation of what Jesus has done for you personally in your situation, in your life, in your difficulty, no matter what the circumstances are, he did it. For, he paid the price for you, as he did for me. And I, um, if it's okay with Pastor Gary and Pastor Jane, I, I'd really love to pray for anyone now. If um, if that's okay, anyone who has a need, if you have a, you need a healing in your body or you need a change in your home, or there's a broken relationship, or there's something, or there's a, there's a job need, or whatever it might be. I just, uh, 
like to pray with you if you want to stand or raise your hand or maybe we can get around each other and lay hands on each other, we can pray. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We give you all the praise and honour and glory, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us today. You are with us in our situation today, Lord. You want to move on our behalf. You did it or you pays the price. Lord, you said to us, you are, we have not because we ask not. Lord, we are asking this morning, Lord. We give ourselves to you. Father God, come right now and bring healing to these people, healing to these bodies. We re release healing into people's bodies this morning. In the name of Jesus, we come against all spirit of infirmity and we command it to leave in the name of Jesus. We speak healing into minds that come against all depression or anxiety, any kind of mental health disorder. I cast down in the name of Jesus. I speak healing of arthritis, healing of cancer. I command cancer, the spirit of cancer, to leave in the name of Jesus. I speak healing into backs. I command healing to go into people's body, healing their backs, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Arthritis, go now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to lift up all of these people in our situations at home. If there's anyone struggling with a relationship breakdown, a marriage issue, Father, come into their homes now and bring your healing, Lord. Make hearts soft and open to you, Lord. Help them to heal, build relationship again, bring love where there was dry bones and dust on those bones. Breathe life into that, Lord. Bring things that were dead to life, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.